I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about difficulty settings in tabletop RPGs. In the news, a new preview of the Planescape source book for Dungeons & Dragons, Baldur's Gate 3 update number 3 has been released, changes to the Pathfinder 2nd Edition Remaster Wizard class, Final Fantasy is getting an official RPG, and more! Plus, a brand new sketch about peeking into the executive boardroom discussions about new market strategies for burrows and barrels. This week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Hudson the Puppy. Hudson, for all your sitting, fetching, spinning, paw giving, midnight barking, and bottom sniffing needs. What I want to know is, how does a puppy manage to afford to sponsor a podcast? And how does it even know what a podcast is? For that matter, what is a podcast? Uh, oh, never mind. All the tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week not only is a brand new puppy by the name of Marvin, who you may hear in the background wrestling with Hudson throughout this episode, and I apologise for that, not sorry really. Uh, also with me this week is... Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Just as ever, I am delighted to be here. And joining us once more, we have the person who really, really does quite like dogs. It's the one. It's the only. It's... It's me, Jessica from EN Publishing. And good to have you back, Peter, because I miss my hype person. Because Russ yeah. introduced me last week and it just wasn't the same. Or your, yeah, or your warm-up act, as you, uh, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if they listened to last week's episode, Russ, so I didn't know if I got away with that. Thanks for bringing it up. What are you sitting there with your pot stirring? I'm going to sow dissent among my friends. <laughs> anyway, so, before we do get going, so, <laughs> you should uh, just mention the, uh, the, the, the the puppy in the room. So, mm-hmm. this, this here, I know you've both seen him before now, but, and the listeners cannot see him, but... I assure you, listeners, that right in front of the microphone now, but being quite quiet, is a small red golden retriever puppy, about eight weeks old, and now currently trying to eat my earphones. It's so <laughs> cute. It's very distracting. It's very, very cute. He's the newest member of the podcast. For listeners at home, you should be aware that Russ is currently holding a, know, that's about four kilograms of puppy. It's a it's a full-on Adrex commercial over there. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. All it needs is like a roll of toilet paper to be chasing and the <laughs> image will be complete. Yeah. Currently yeah. trying to eat his headphones. We have to decide to what role he is at EM Publishing. <laughs> yes, so yes, in time we'll figure out his skill set. Public relations. <laughs> I think he, he should be oh. the, uh, the, the, yeah, the, 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 the customer service officer. Okay. Zin does do a lot of that in fairness. So. Complaint, complaints <laughs> officer. Like, if anyone complains, you just, you just complain have to, to the room. puppy. Oh, well, well, yeah. I deal with that currently. So, yeah, if someone else wants to do that, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, that's, uh, just, just that's Marvin's Marvin. job. But, new puppy talk aside, there is also something very big happening in my life today, which I'm very excited about. Does it involve a gate? 
Yes. <laughs> Boba Bowder. So, Baldur's Gate 3 has become yeah. a large part of my personality and identity in the same way that the Barbie movie has. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, but I'm a Mac user. My partner has a PC, so between the two of us, we have both. Uh, but uh, it is Baldur's Gate 3. Um, the big patch 3 is coming out. Ooh. It was meant to be out on the 22nd yesterday, but it's coming out now today. September 22nd, not currently available, but that we've been told. Uh, and it'll be available on Mac, the full version, which I'm so, so, so excited about because I have been playing just the early access version, which they say is like 25 hours of gameplay, but I've stretched out to about 40. Like I've, I have been around that area. I've picked up every rock. I have looked under every piece of dirt and whatever. Um, so I'm so excited and ready to play the full game. Uh, and I can oh. play with other people as well. Um, so yeah. I'm very, very excited about that. Hmm. So the big patch is coming. And if you're all your PC user as well, patch includes a magic mirror so that you can edit your character's appearance in the game. Which is good because, yeah, I felt stressed during character creation. I was like, I have to commit to this and there's no changes. Mm-hmm. And it's very stressful being told you can't change your hair whenever you want because, you know, and that's a freedom a lot of us enjoy. Actually. I have other Baldur's Gate 3 news as well. Oh. Because I'm not done. <laughs> okay. Are they so, releasing the Larian edit of the rules? Because if they did, that would make a lot of money, I can tell you. It would, Probably. but no. Uh, but what is happening is the the cast of Baldur's Gate 3, so the voice actors, are yeah, doing an it. actual play later today Ooh. as their characters on the High Roller stream. Oh. So that's at 7pm British time. Uh, so that's, that's 2pm Eastern, today, Friday the 22nd. If you were listening to this podcast, it would have been yesterday, so you can catch up. And it'll be on twitch.tv, High Rollers D&D. Um, on the yeah, yeah, on Twitch. Uh, and I'm sure they'll probably have a, a VOD version on YouTube or somewhere later. Mm. But yeah, um, so uh, the voice actors do Carlac, Shadowheart, Will, Gail, uh, Lazelle, and Asterion will be present doing that. And also Emilia Tyler, who's the narrator, um, is also doing that game. Very so cool. I just very, that, very was, cool. that was that Are was really played, nice. Do you know what they're playing through? Is D and D. Yeah, I mean adventure wise. <laughs> no, I don't know the adventure. It's meant to be a crossover, so they're playing their characters. Yeah, so I was I'm just wondering assuming... whether they're playing something related to the actual video game or. No, I think it's meant to be a crossover with something that the high rollers do. So in their kind oh, of right, okay, yeah, universe world thing. So I don't know the actual adventure. Anyway, anyway. I think that's enough about Baldur's Gate for now. Should we jump off yeah. the yes. Baldur's Gate train for now? Yeah, okay, fine. And talk about yes. some Pathfinder because we know there's the remaster edition of Pathfinder Second Edition coming. They have told us a little bit about what they're doing with the wizard for Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. So this is just like a preview of what's coming. And it was uh, James Case, who's one of the designers over at Paizo, and they they saw something. So uh, the first thing they're doing, you know, this traditional eight schools of magic. Yes. Anyone who's played D and D knows what they are: transmutation, evocation, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, Russ, Russ, Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice that you think that, but that's not true. Anyway, please continue. What isn't true? That anyone who's played D and D knows what they are. Oh, okay. All right. you, did All right, you see exactly. the blank was, look on my face? Because I've never played was, a wizard. Because exactly, I was like, this I was looks like work. I can point you a bunch of people. They right, 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 should we, right, should right, we rephrase right, that? Fine. If you have played, if you played a wizard in D and D, you may be familiar with. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you played older versions of D and D, where this it was is the wrong takeaway from this two sides. Okay, sorry, sorry. So, what you didn't want pedantry? You didn't want pedantry on a role-playing <laughs> game podcast, sir. You have come to the so, wrong podcast, anyway, sir. Okay. <laughs> there are eight schools of magic, whether or not you're aware of them, and they are things like evocation, transmutation, divination, those things. And every spell belongs to one of those schools. Traditionally, Ooh, in D&D, over forever, that's been the case. Yeah. 
I'm the same Pathfinder. Pathfinder, yeah. Um, they are getting rid of those. In yep. Pathfinder. Um, they're going away, are uh, the eight schools of magic, and instead they're going to have new arcane schools, which are kind of more sort of law-based, based Ooh. on sort of like, basically, it's kind of like the, the, the courses taught in Galarian. So it's like the school of battle magic or the school of civic wizardry or something instead. So you'll be able to have spells from different categories and not just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's going to be an open-ended list or a tight list. Like, the eight schools of magic is kind of a tight list, isn't it? Whereas this, it could be an open-ended list. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just... It is what it is. They're trying to change law to suit what they need. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, things like healing, healing spells... What are they now? They're evocation, aren't they? At one point, they were necromancy. Mm. And then they said, okay, now they're about... They're in the same school as Fireball. And it's mm. like, I beg your pardon, sir? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, the so, uh, these schools are kind of quite arbitrary in a way, aren't they? They're a bit... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, basically, I think, probably, I don't know, they, I would say it looks like they had divine magic mm. and... Like arcane magic has separate things, and at some point they're like, "Nah, mm. it's all yeah. magic in it," and mm. bunged it all together. Another yeah. thing I noticed is a big change. I think they're discussing it; they haven't confirmed, but the removal of spell components. Yeah, now I, I get that because spell components, I personally find, don't actually add that much to my game. I, I don't feel the game is improved mm. by their presence. It's kind of overhead almost. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, what you could do, yeah, is if you lent into it, you could use spell components to make things like counter spell more interesting, mm. and identification of spells more interesting because you're just describing what they're taking out and using, mm. and then there's that opportunity for people to actually say, "Oh no, I know what that is," mm. and obviously then you have the opportunity to do all sorts of clever mind games like. If you take out, like, uh, what's it, a pinch of bat guano, and then you shout uh, the spell for fear at someone, that, then it's like, you know, you've sucked them into thinking you're going to cast a fireball, but actually you're casting fear. Yeah. But it's all about overhead at the table, and that's a lot of drag that you're adding into the game. Yeah. In combat, which is already pretty slow. Moved into the fluff text almost, couldn't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And not. And maybe not every spellcaster has to cast a spell in exactly the same way. Well, that's yeah. why I, I, they said they wanted to do it. They want to allow yeah. more freedom for how you cast spells. Mm. Yeah. I think there's definitely still a space for magic foci that mm. yeah. cost money also, to let you also, access certain spells. I think that's what yeah, we're I think there's also do. space for spell yeah, components. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they should not exist at all, but it's not mm. like yeah. they should be tied so tightly to the rules mm. in the way they are. Yeah, I think it's like hard bubble, to bubble, see. Bubble, trouble. They're an archetype. Yeah. Sort of yeah, thing, aren't yeah. They? They, they're, they're in fiction and have been forever. But but in practice, mostly it's like, you got spell focus, yeah, good to go. Yeah. Mm. I know yeah. some people have had a lot of fun with managing spell components and that being part of the game. Because yeah. there was um, mm. a GM that told me a story. They had their whole campaign was based around they needed this specific spell to do a thing. And the quest was to go get that spell component that only grew in this mystic forest. Da, da, da. Mm. So... I understand why some people would still like to use it, but I personally have never played it yeah. that way. I guess it depends how crunchy you want your game to be, because it adds um, an extra layer of management and crunch that some people yeah. want. Yeah. I, I've really enjoyed the symbolism of mm-hmm. it, and also the opportunity, as I say, for misdirection. Mm-hmm. I mean, but some people have gotten very angry at me for 
like talking about that side sort of thing. Like uh, I had a no illusionist who rang a little bell every time that they were casting uh, Toll the Dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like, oh, they've got something metal in their hands. And uh, actually, it was a piece of cold iron, which was to banish a fairy. But mm. it was not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sad time. Yeah. Um, there, there, was, there, was another, there was another reason for that removal of spell components also, actually, according oh, to yeah. Poison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, it's because it's very highly tied to the open gaming license content. Like, oh, the spell yeah. components are strictly defined in D&D and mm-hmm. have been for so many years that yeah. they are pretty much... They pretty much say you are playing D and D. Yeah, and I suppose they are very much trying to separate themselves from D and D now. Yeah, well, that was the the big push the OGL situation generally is why they started doing this. They're like, all right, yeah, it's I mean, time. They're changing a lot of the spell yeah. names, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that you we can really say that spell components are definitely D and D because they are pre existing. No, 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 no. I mean, no, no, I mean the the specific list of them per spell. Yeah. The ones in so Pathfinder the, were yeah. yeah. The, the ones in Pathfinder are exactly the same ones that are in yeah. I think I think it's moved so that components that is now really a very alchemy thing, mm. which is essentially a distinction. I see. I like that idea, like having a whole yeah. alchemy system instead of like the. Yeah, yeah I like I like that idea. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I was thinking there was some mention, um, and they've mentioned this before. Um, mm. We already knew this, but I totally forgotten it. Um, yeah. They're they're dropping the term spell level and replacing it with spell rank. Good. Which someone, the word someone's level found is a thesaurus over, is overused in uh, in D and D's and oh that order of the stick cartoons brings smile. Should we go up level down level? We did, we did a sketch about it once. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All the different ways the word level I, get used. I, it was I, a hilarious sketch. I, I'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah, there weren't even any clowns. <laughs> in it. Sadly, I wasn't here That's for that. That's how funny it was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not overly invested. I've only played a little bit of Pathfinder, like a tiny amount, a few sessions. Mm. So I'm not hugely invested in like the system and things. But from what I've seen online of people talking about the changes they put out, everyone's kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. It's kind of tidying up things mm. that you know have been there historically. So, so I haven't seen the fan yeah. base be outraged for it because pretty much that's you know if you play a lot of Pathfinder, this. This is going to affect your game, obviously. So, yeah. but I haven't seen people be mad about it. Still, does go back. To, is this a new edition or not? And I know we've had this conversation before. I <laughs> we have. We did a whole podcast on it. I still yeah. stand by what I said of no. I think it's tweaks and a remastering. Mm, the tweaks just keep getting a little bigger and a little bigger. I yeah. don't know. Don't well, know. we'll see. I when can't it's wait out. to see what the final thing. Yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, we can't. We can't say till we have them. We can't play spot the difference until we've got both the pictures, can we? That is what well, we can, and we just can't play it very well. Well, okay. (laughs) Yeah. um, Could I possibly interject whilst we're on the subject of fantasy role-playing games? I did see quite an interesting Kickstarter that perhaps you might be interested in. Yes. Fantasy role-playing game Kickstarter? That seems like my day. Sounds something nerds would like. It's really more to do with accessories. Uh, I feel like it's been sort of coming up, like with Jessica's talk of a magic mirror with her love of Barbie, mm. and this essentially seems like almost a natural segue to that point. Oh. Um, it is some crazy artist has said, hey, you know what? I like dwarves. I'm going to produce something which will let you have a lot of different ways to dress up your dwarf and cleric. And uh, doing a Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay. kind of kind of different, isn't it? Um, they're looking for... Well, they're fully funded. So it's basically yeah, a way yeah. to make your own custom character art. It's yeah. design your own hand-drawn TTRPG character, and you have over eleven 
thousand combinations. Yeah. So it, yeah. I guess it's a way to get really quickly, very cheaply, art for your RPG that's perhaps more ethical than other options out there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they've got like 16 different combinations. They've got 16 euros for, what's it? Uh, the Dwarf Cleric, the Elf Ranger, and the Human Fighter Pack. Mm. So that looks like quite a lot of different combinations to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I reckon yeah. you could probably have some fun with that. Uh, yeah, and they're not asking for very much money. 213... Oh, that's dollars there. Yeah. They made 314, so if yeah. you want to go play dress up, I can imagine it's actually been quite fun. Mm. Even yes. if you don't have a character for it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It does look fun. Uh, this, this looks like stuff in like the early noughties that you had those like dress-up games that you played online with Flash plugins and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Dwarf Cleric pack is a fiver. And I maybe if this campaign does well, they'll do other like combinations and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they've got a bunch of other ones already. So it seems like quite a good shout, to be honest. So, mm. so is it, it's an app, is it? How do you actually do it? It's a web app. It's a web-based app. Oh, I see. So in yes. your browser. So, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you can use yeah. it on mobile. Oh, yeah, they, they do already have the human fighter. They have an elf ranger. Click to try it out. Oh, I'm doing that right now. I am trying it out. Okay. This is good. App. Oh, oh. Body, medium, magic, yellow sparkles, eyes, brown, hair, shaved sides, black. For everyone that's enjoyed making their character in Baldur's Gate, this is, this is really good. I'm going to back it. I'm going to back it. Oh, it is oh, quite cool, yeah, yeah. Jessica's backing something live on the podcast. Woohoo! It's not, uh, the, a, not, the, not a, the first time, Morris, won't be the last. It's not the first. It's okay, not, I said not enough. the first time. Right, right. I don't think I remember you being so vocal before, but I'm glad you're getting into it. Oh, I, oh, I think there was something with kitties. Yes, Kitty Noir. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah that, that that was just such a no-brainer. I almost yeah. didn't count that one. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pledge, backed, done. That looks fun. I'm going to have fun. I don't normally play dwarves. Oh, oh, but you can get add-ons for other things. Uh, Add-on human fighter, yes, please. Add-on mm. elf ranger, female, yes. Gosh, yeah, all of that for a tenner. Yeah, I suppose there'll just be lots and lots of different packs just for different combinations yeah. that you could be, yeah. I picked up three so far, so I've got a dwarf, hmm. elf, and human, which, okay. you know, I can run a nice Lord of the Rings campaign with that. Marvellous. True. You won't, True. you won't have any hobbitses. Well, no, I'll yeah, just have to wait. Just, like, I'll, I'll have to wait for their next Kickstarter. You can use the humans and you can change the scale. Yes. Yeah. Fish boss job done. Yeah, fair enough. I'll be. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll mm. figure it out. I'll just have to. I'll have to follow them for their next uh, project they do. Trixie Hobbitses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thanks for um, You know, you know, Final Fantasy. You know, the video. The only video beef I had game. with this. They keep saying it's the final one, but there's like 16 or 17 of them out there. <laughs> right. So Yeah, it's like the penultimate fantasy, the, the pre-penultimate fantasy. No, they, and... they, they say it's the final one, and it's like 16 games later. Oh, they said the first <laughs> one was the final one. Exactly. I just don't believe them anymore. Fool me once, shame on, shame on me. Fool me 16 times. Yeah, really, no, shame, on want, shame on me. <laughs> really, yeah, super shame on me. No, this is awkward. Anyway, yeah. yes, Final okay. Fantasy okay. games. Anyway, anyway, yeah. um, there is going to be a tabletop role playing game mm-hmm. from Square Enix, yeah. um, directly. Um, not so it's not licensed; they're doing it themselves. Um, so there's a pre-order page already up for the Final yeah. Fantasy. It's 14, I think. TTRPG starter set. Yes. Um, it, it went up on Wednesday. It came down again, and then went back up again. Huh. So I don't know if something had to be changed or something. I think they. 
accidentally put it up early. They were meant to do a PR release with it because they sent out Maybe. PR release later. So I think they put it up yeah. and like, whoops, oh, it's out of the bag. Let's just have it up there. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. But I think, yeah, they well, did. But it's a box set. It's mm-hmm. a starter set. It's $59. Dollars. Mm-hmm. And in that starter set, you get a whole bunch of stuff. So you get a player's book, a GM book, um, four pre-gens, some dice, map tokens. And the GM book includes three ready-to-run pre-made scenarios as well. So it's very, very similar in content to our um, starter set, in fact. Yeah. 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 It's oh, inter- most starter sets, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting yeah. that the the face you made about the price being because it's like sixty dollars. Because last week we were talking about manufacturing mm. and creating starter box sets, mm. and creating starter box sets is more expensive because oh, there's yeah, more yeah. stuff in. But mm. equally, you do want it to be at a price point to because it's great for new people to introduce it. So you want it to be at a price oh. point that's accessible for people to try out. So we spent a long time figuring out the pricing. I mean, it's, it's like yeah. 30 quid for the um, level up box set. Mm. But we spent yeah, a long time yeah. trying to figure that out to get the balance right of, mm. of so we don't lose money doing this, but at the same point, so it's yeah. good value for people. So yeah, yeah. I think $60 is probably what it costs. Well, you got, they've got to pay the license, I suppose. Yeah, and also they do have dice in there as well. Um, well, Square yeah. Enix, don't they make um, they make the video game themselves, don't they? Is it, uh, mm. So they don't have to pay a license. It's their they have a license. property, isn't it? Well, I guess. I, I mean, are Square Enix I don't making know. their own TTRPG? Oh, well, It'd yeah, be interesting to see. I imagine they've hired somebody to, to oh, yeah, do I it. Than... Yeah, they've outsourced the work. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think they are, the, they are the publisher of record for that game. Okay. They're probably like, gosh, this is cheaper than making a video game. But also find that it doesn't make anywhere near as much money as a video game. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, remains to be seen, but yes, mm. most likely. Mm. I think it's a yeah. different audience. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's coming out in like May 2024, though, so you can pre order it, mm. but it is a bit of a wait. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that when it comes out, I might even try and have a look at it, just Ooh. because I would quite like to be able to have answers for people when they're like oh how do i do a red mage in a5e mm. i'm like i don't know what here's me is. doing a big shrug <laughs> it's like yeah wear some reds i was like how do i do a dragoon in a5e and i'm like do you mean a guy who rides into battle on a horse then gets off the horse to do the fighting or something else and they're like no someone who jumps around a lot i'm like that is not what I'm taking away no. from Dragoon. What they, what, what so, they yeah. mean is a dragon, but said by a Scottish person. Okay, so cool. I'm not a huge Final Fantasy fan, so it probably won't be one for me, but I imagine, yeah, like well, you're saying... I played one Final Fantasy game, and it was like seven or something. I don't know. That seems so strange to me, Russ. You're so into your video games. No, well, you know, I am the... <laughs> you're loving Baldur's Gate 3. Mm. Oh. I, I did enjoy it up until that point, apart from the bit where I was talking to the Druids, because that was boring. But I did enjoy it until it... Ruined it for me. All right, okay. Anyway, do you want to talk about some actual Dungeons and Dragons news? There can't possibly be any. I I mean, I could talk about some actual Dungeons and Dragons news if you like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A chap called Adam Hancock has bought out Friends and Factions Lost Mine of Fandelver. Oh. And uh, for those familiar with this iconic starter set edition, Mm-hmm. Uh, what you get is there's like 45 NPCs in Lost Minds of Fandelver, and he's put together a, a book with expanded backstories, motives, and goals. Like, you know what? Why don't I put this in the show note, in the chat so you can have a look at Indeed. it? It's the DM's Guild thing. Yeah, yeah, DM Guild. That's it. Yeah. Nice. Backstories, motives, goals, friendable, or romanceful options. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, lots of 
different things you can do. It's like just brings them out in a lot more detail. So that sounds pretty good. Cool. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I generally tend to like get rid of NPCs because I find I can't convincingly portray that many different people, especially if we're switching around. But mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do like having lots of different things. So yeah. yeah. I think NPCs are always best when the uh, DM is playing 12 different NPCs. Having a conversation. Having a conversation in front of the players, and the players aren't involved in this conversation yes. for about 45 minutes. You do. Well, a different you, voice for each one. You're, you're actually bringing me out in a rash there because <laughs> of all the times I've been at a LARP where I've just been watching like NPCs pontificating between themselves. I'm like, are we supposed to stab anyone yet? No. Well, that's, but that's, no. Me, that's me playing Baldur's Gate, you see. You can, you can oh, just stab people space, if you want. Russ. Just press space. You can be a murder hobo in Baldur's Gate if you want. Um, they always just not in my party. I have a puppy on my foot. All right, okay. stop bragging. <laughs> I get it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so Jess, you were going to talk about other D&D news. I was. Uh, in yeah. the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Because actually, I am I might be getting back into 5e a bit more because I've been invited oh. to two, two 5e campaigns and I'm deciding whether or not I have the time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Did you use that furball fighter voice, didn't you? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Not because it wasn't a good idea, but because Sorry. we're all playing, we have to play human variants for this campaign. So... Yeah. Which I'm okay with. But, but, but yes. But, sorry, that did amuse me. There we go. There we go. Thank you for that, Phil. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> um, anyway, so the D&D news I have is... Uh, yeah. So the next uh, marketing thing that they're gearing up for is Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. Mm. And in fairness, on EM World, uh, Beth Rimmels has done a really in-depth deep dive into into the what the box set's going to be like. because so it's got mm-hmm. like a slipcase, it's got maps, it's got ventures, it's got GM screens, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So if you want to look at the pretty pictures, if you go to EM World, there's a whole article about it. There's a sneak preview that Beth's written up in more detail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I just wanted to bring that that's coming out soon. So that's coming out next month on October 17th. Yeah. Uh, it does look really pretty and the maps do look nice. We know, I know you're both suckers that for a good map. Yeah, yeah. I really like the, um, there's an alternate cover mm. with like the Lady of Pain uh, on there and I just love that it looks very dark kind of noir artwork on it so mm. I think that looks good probably not going to buy it because I don't know if I'm going to run this So and I'm having to hold myself back and actually spend my money on things I'm actually going to run because mm. the pile of things I have that I mm. haven't yet run is getting bigger and I shouldn't add to that um, but I do love the world Look, of um, collecting RPGs and playing them are two separate hobbies very loosely connected if at all yeah, I know this. I know, but I Big actually... shout out to our listener, Lee Donovan here. Respect. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to play the games that I have. Call me wild and old-fashioned. Mm. But yeah, uh, so this is like... Yeah, so I, I have been in a game where we've walked through... Is it Sigil? Sigil? Sigil. Sigil. Yeah. Which one is it? You both said, you both said different Sigil. things then. Well, Sigil is a word, but the name of the city is Sigil. Sigil. Okay, uh, so it's official. I'm the location that is spelled S I G I L. Uh, I mm. have been to in a campaign. Uh, me as a player and a character had no clue what it was, so we got into a lot of trouble, as you can imagine, because there's a lot mm. of rules there. Oh yeah, I remember you were having a chat in a bar with the Lady of Pain. Yeah, and everyone else who knew what was going on was like. And I was like really chill about it. I was like, she seems like a nice lady. She's like Mm. put a lot of effort into her outfit. She looks good. Let's chat to her. Slay Queen. Did the name Lady of Pain not give it away? In fact, well, 
She didn't introduce her life self like that, in fairness. Oh, right, okay. Like, yeah. so, you know, Russ, sometimes you meet... I mean, pe- red, red flags and all. <laughs> Russ, sometimes you meet women in bars and they don't tell you everything about themselves, you know? Just, anyway, let's move on. Uh, but oh. yeah, so if you are interested in that <laughs> setting and you want more of a deep dive into it, Beth has written up, like, a whole load of detail about the, the planner guide, the setting book, and the adventures and stuff, and all the pretty artwork. Mm. So I'd say if you are interested in considering it, have a look at the article, because it goes into a deep dive about it. Um, no. but it's, and it's a pretty slipcase like the Spelljammer int- one was interesting about the adventure right alright so they haven't got like a normal linear uh, level progression for it alright oh, okay so, um, so you go from levels 3 to 10 and mm. then you jump to level 17 mm. which is interesting um, so there's like a, a multiplanar glitch which disrupts death or something right um, and you come back as a different incarnation of yourselves at sort of like level 17 well, that certainly gets around the problem of the fact that you go through levels 10 to 17 faster mm. in terms of experience than you would playing through 1 to 10. Mm. Sure. So I guess that does help with that. Yeah, no. Why not just, just take out that part of the game? Who wants to play on it? Let's just have the levels 1 to 10 and then we'll have God here. Well, How about that? It's, yeah, well, I guess if a lot of people I know are interested in playing high-level campaigns, but usually their campaign yeah. falls apart before they get there. So I guess mm. this is a way to... Try it out. Skip the bits with the where, where, where the wheels normally come off. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, no, fair enough. Interesting. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I like the thinking. It's bold and innovative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does look pretty cool. I, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jess, in that it looks like it would be a beautiful product to have. Mm-hmm. don't know if I'd actually use it. This is um, the thing. I don't know if... I've got so many games on my list to run. Mm. I don't know if I'd get round to it. I think... If I were to play a 5e campaign, this or Dragonlance would be hmm. two of the top contenders for what I played. Cool. Do you want to yeah. run Dragonlance for me again, then? Can I play Dragonlance what? this time? <laughs> what, what, now? All right. No, I, like... Um... In... Oh, sweet. Let's go. I've got some... I've, I've literally got three gens for this precise in... issue. Well, you are the in the scene play. of the last home, and, and there's a dragon. What do you do? Run. It eats you. <laughs> what, my character playing Honor... <laughs> Because I think she does very... She makes different life choices than I do. But anyway, anyway. Cool. Okay, anyway. That was Planescape. And it does It does look It does look cool. It does look Whatever you say about Wizards of the Coast, they do know how to produce cool-looking stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It cannot, it cannot be disputed. I have um, oh. another system news as well. Okay. So, Mothership. Have either of you played Mothership system? No. Okay, I, I played it a lot. Really like it. I've mostly played it for one-shots, um, mm. in fairness, but it's... Uh, yeah, I just really enjoy it. I like the stress mechanics. I think it creates that tension for a horror space RPG really nicely, and it's simple enough to pick up for a one-shot at the table. But, yes, yeah, so I really like Mothership. Anyway, but this week, lots of new adventures have dropped, which I was quite excited by, and they range... Um, if, so, if you're looking for a more budget option, for $10, Bloom by Tuesday Night Games um, mm-hmm. is an adventure, and it's... Um, I love the, the setting. I'll do my intro voice. Set in a clandestine research facility that has recently discovered an ocean floor moss with far-reaching potential. What could go wrong? Um, So that seemed interesting to me. Um, And then also, if you're looking for a bit more uh, mothership, if you're like, one adventure isn't enough, I would like specifically 26. Well, Hellbreach Volume 1 is that collection for you. Uh, It's $50, but it has loads of supplements in, so it has uh, new classes, equipment, and it's got a load of documents and law stuff that teaches you to read, act, think, and negotiate like a mega corporation. So it's set in kind of like an evil mega corporation sort of world, which goes very well with mothership and horror mm. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just saw those and I thought they were very cool. 
Uh, they're all linked on EM Worlds in the um, in the print news article. So if you want to click through on them, but I just really like Mothership. Um, yeah. So oh, I've got quite a good thing for making different worlds. Mm-hmm. A twelve-word cartographer. It's called. I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay. And it's uh, a pay-what-you-want download from itch.io. And what it does is it. I've had a look through, and it does drastically simplify plate tectonics. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So want, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. a simple so subject. Not, that's not where I thought you were going. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because, like, if you ever drawn a map, you're always like, oh, I don't know what my map look, should look like. Well, yeah, this this helps. Okay. If it. you it's want it like to be a, accurate. I mean. Because I know sure. some people are like, it's a fantasy accurate world. For, it's going to be what I want it to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But the key to immersion is that things don't break your immersion because everyone has a sense of what mountains and lakes and all that sort of thing does in so this world in this world but yeah like water generally doesn't flow uphill so that sort of thing yeah, in so this world it, yeah, Precisely. yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go yeah, portals yes all right, so this 12 world cartographer does yeah it does what it says on the tin it like lets you do that mm-hmm. it's um i i don't know if i would want to work on this sort of scale but if you're doing lots of sci-fi stuff, this could be very helpful for you. If you're doing fantasy stuff and you would like your world, you, you'd like your mega content to be interesting, bam, mm. you're sorted. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I throw out there. Talking of worlds, the world of Kalidar. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I, I remember something with an airship on, so that thing yeah. caught my interest. So, like back in the 80s and 90s in Dragon Magazine, the official magazine for D&D, there was yeah. a series of articles by Bruce Hurd called Voyage of the Princess Ark. Okay. It was an airship. Um, it, the series of articles, it explored the world of Mistara and, like, um, which is one of the sort of campaign settings which you don't hear much about these days, but mm-hmm. it was one of the older uh, D&D campaign settings. And um, Bruce Hurd kind of wanted to bring it back about 10 years ago and um, I believe sort of approached Wizards, but they weren't, they weren't up for it, so decided to do it himself. But obviously he doesn't own the property, so um, he came up with the world of Kalidar with the uh, uh, skyship Star Phoenix. So, but a similar concept. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, uh, so created the label Kalidar Publishing. Um, there's been sort of like 20 to 30 titles released over the last decade or so, setting this world. Um, but unfortunately he's calling an end to it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, fair enough. He basically says he's it's not getting enough attention activity okay and response he says you know he's not getting any younger and putting all this effort in is hard when when you're not getting maybe as much back as you would possibly hope yeah yeah. I mean, sure. the, the latest kickstarter was in 2021 and that raised twenty two thousand dollars. and there's been like i think there's about five kickstarters in total i think something like that mm-hmm. i can't remember and they all sort of did kind of that well mm-hmm. so it's, it is a shame i think um i can understand it though i mean yeah. you know as a, as, as a creator myself, it is disheartening when you put something out into the world to deafening silence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not what he's getting. I mean, he's getting, you know, $22,000 yeah. on a Kickstarter is good. There are, there are fans of... 22000 is yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I do get it, though. I do, I do. And uh, it's, it's a shame now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, it, it's his choice, and if he wants to... I'm, I'm, I'm sure no one's actually going to take your game of out of your hands and stop you from playing it. Um, it's just not being supported. I, I actually plan to do that. I'd like to see you try. That'd be <laughs> hilarious. No, I don't. Okay, listeners, 
If you if you if you hear a knock on the door, you look out, you can't see anyone. That's that's Jessica comes to take your copy of Caladon. That's how I get a rogue <laughs> tactics. Mm. Oh, I just meant that they couldn't see you. Yeah, because I'm short. I'm yeah, halfling, yeah, so I've got a bonus on stealth. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and, and moving through people's spaces. People try and mock me for being short, but it's not like a, a bad thing. Yeah, it's someone, quite good. It's like yeah. I was about to say, like someone mocking you for having hair, a particular hair color, but people do that to junior people as well. So mm. yeah, oh, double discrimination. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, dog mock walk. Yeah. I do. Mork, I have. Mork. I have. Yeah. I have, Oh, because September nineteenth was talked like a pirate day, and they released Pirate Borg on that day as well, mm. which was super fun. Which arrived in the post, wow. and I has. It looks very cool. But anyway, yes. Guess what's Guess what's coming soon from Gem Room Games. I don't have to guess because I know. So I'll let Peter guess. Mm. Hello. Hello. You won't guess if you don't know. You won't guess. Duck Borg. Duck Borg. Have and you ever been thinking... playing Morkborg and thought there is not enough ducks present? <laughs> well, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I could see the shavings from the bottom of the barrel coming up with Orkborg, mm. but I sit corrected. Okay, tell me more about Duckborg. Is it DuckTales, the RPG in the um, no, it's, setting? It's not um, that license, but it, no, it's, it's Morkborg okay. with ducks. Like, mm. Yeah. As in small, feathery avians that go quack. It's, yes. It is, it is, it is kind of DuckTales unofficial in a way. Oh, yeah. It's not um, licensed by that, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, ducks at the end of the world, ducks Lady of danger, stuff. poor ducks that want to be rich ducks, that sort of thing. Fancy ducks with fancy shores and a fancy world, you know. Um, all sorts of different ducks. You can easily hack this to be geese if you're so inclined as well. If you would like to be... They're really different to ducks. They they are, thank you. Very different. But I think you could edit it. So when you're just running a pure evil game. Yeah, so when you're playing... Like, if you want to be really OP, be a goose. Hmm. All right, then. Yeah, I got a couple of other items. I don't know if you people have run out of those. I I have told you everything that I know. I wouldn't hold back on you guys. So if you, you folks have more news, please tell me. Well, again, it's like just weird stuff from the outer edges of indie TTRPG space. I don't know. If I it's love that part of the internet. Oh, well, in which case you may be in for a good time. Yeah. So there is a website that rejoices in the name electrumarchive.com. Okay. Okay. And you're like, okay, that's a cool name. I'm yeah. interested. You click yeah. through in the link. You look through, you see that it does a couple of zines, which are for sci-fi fantasy crossover sort of thing. Mm. Is this not dependent on any system? It's just... Yeah, I think it's like going for... I I think it is actually its own system. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's the world of all basic rules you need to play the game. I mean, basically what what caught my eye was like that artwork... Yeah, um, and there's a ca- I, there was like an illustra- it was a different illustration on uh, Mastodon. I was like, mm. oh wow, that looks really cool. What what is that? And I said, oh yeah, here we are. Here's the link. Uh, like, look at it. Like, wow, I would never have found this. Ooh, I might, I might ask them to come and not D and D to talk about this because this looks interesting. Yeah, well, like, um, PJ Coffee says hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> they do. will never understand, but yeah. I, I like to like cause, they've, cause they've, I just talk to people and they never know they 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 they, they, they have no reason to know or care who I am mm-hmm. and then like we tell I I bring them on the show. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's quite it's, it's really funny for me. Um, yeah, yeah. They've completely oh, sold nice. out all of the print copies in the EU, UK, US, and Canada. So mm. clearly, yeah, yeah. it's um 
Yeah, and it, they it's have got something, and they have Brandon a free, they have a freeze rules version of it, so you can check out the little preview. Yeah, yeah. Oh, inspired, I mean, inspired by games like Elder Scrolls Three, Morrowind. I do like that game. I, I, it, it it looks so weird. I'm sort of into it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just like, yeah, that 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 looks like a fun sort of weird to me. Like that, yeah. like that, Peter. I accept it. I'm going to do something with that. Tell me more. What else you got? Oh, um, well, I did find a Kickstarter which has funded already. Uh, for listeners, it may be a bit of a stretch because it is in its final five days, which is on Friday, twenty second of September. So mm-hmm. I suspect if you're not in by the twenty seventh, you're in, you're not going to be able to make it. They have a week, but it is three hundred or more tabletop RPG maps. 50 or more uh, NPCs, 10 D100 tables, uh, and that does, again, fantasy and so forth. So that looks like... Maps are always useful. Yeah. Quite a good... Yeah. I mean, it's got 300 and so on. Yeah. Yeah. You can never have too many maps. Yeah. And it is coming in at something like... uh, That's coming in at £5 for a whole pile of maps. So Mm. that looks quite good to me. Like, um, pretty good one for back. There's also, if you still have some money burning a hole in the, in your pocket, I do not. The oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there's like if you've got ten dollars, itch.io is doing an indie creator bundle. Oh, that's quite reasonable. Yeah, ten dollars. Oh, uh, which is for eighty-seven games, which are ninety-six percent off at least. Uh, that includes like Paris Gondo, the life saving, or Paris Gondo, let's say, the life saving magic of inventorying. Which is like a little micro game all about how to manage your inventory system. Mm. It looks very cute. It looks very darling. You've got like a little all bark, no bite. A furry micro TTRPG about a pack of stray dogs trying to survive on the streets and avoid the dog catcher. Ooh-oh. And then there's a pile of computer games and stuff, um, which isn't RPG stuff, so that's quite cool. Mm. And there is also, if you're interested in advanced fifth edition, I have released another couple of pre-gens. Uh, this one is a tiefling warlock, and she's out there to uh, misbehave. She's... Uh, <laughs> hashtag not sorry. all tieflings. Hashtag definitely this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, basically, I put out a pre-generated character. was like, oh, wow, no one... I can't find this on Drive for RPG. So I decided to start calling them Battle Ready Pre-Gens, mm-hmm. uh, because then that makes them hard, easier to find. And so I've got like a Half-Elf Fighter, she's quite cool. I've got a Tiefling Warlock, also quite cool. And yeah, so if you need a pre-gen for your game, then you can just pick them up, whack them in, and they'll work. Nice. Could oh. be good if you're doing a one-shot at introducing people to the game. But yeah, I mean, basically, I'm doing this for my own games, because... Mm-hmm. As Russ will tell you, I just have random people wander off the street and say, oh, I'd like to play a game. And rather than say, oh, clump, and put a book in front of them and say, here's a character sheet. I'll see you in 40 minutes when you're done making a character. I'm mm. like, no, nah, here you go, have a pre-gen, hop in. This is, yeah. this is, or a choice of them. This is what they like. Have some fun. Well, yeah. Talking of pre-gens, we've been putting yeah. a few pre-gens out recently too. Mm-hmm. I noticed. Level we, fours as well. Exciting. We've put five of them out so far. And we just yeah. announced that we have another 11 to go. Yes. Yep. Assuming the, our Kickstarter meets certain stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, um, yeah, so level four pre-gens for um, a whole lot of... I love the character sheets. They're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're very mm-hmm. pretty character sheets. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of... Borrow, borrows your idea, Peter, of separating things into uh, combat 
exploration and social, um, which I think definitely helps divide up the character for when you're looking at different things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit awkward sometimes when you get something that could be in one or two, one or two categories or something, but, you know, you make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really pleased with them. And uh, these are all part of our Level Up Advanced 5th Edition Starter Box. The five pre-gens that are going to be in the box have now been released. Mm-hmm. We've put them out there. And Ooh. then we've got another 11. Wow. Ready to go, pretty much. Mm-hmm. For level four. Nice, nice. All level four, yeah. yeah. And we'll do them in yeah. the order that people vote for on the Kickstarter. So if you want to make sure a particular yeah. one comes when we reach that stretch goal, you can kind of comment and vote which one you would like next to make sure it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's definitely... They definitely are very pretty. And it's, like, some brilliant artwork there. And I just really like the, 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 the style. Is, it's very stylish. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to do a blank sheet as well, which I'm not 100% sure is going to work that well on something that's quite that graphically intense, yeah. but we're going to see what we can do. We'll see. Sure, sure. <laughs> you, you, go, you go ahead and do that. I, yeah, you know. I leave that in the on. hands of a capable graphical, graphic artist rather than myself, graphic yes. designer rather than myself. For me. Not something I would personally attempt to do because it sounds very, very difficult. Indeed. Well, I, I've, I've already done it, so... Mm. You can you can use that one. It's Creative Commons. You're free to use it. Yeah, but this is kind of a branding exercise as well. This is you know we're, we're developing a look for our ones, which are sort of distinct to our starter set. So they all oh, kind of match oh, you're, each other. you're going to do a separate one. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Go nuts. <laughs> Thank you. Like, we will. <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad we got permission. <laughs> anyway, for me, I've come to the end of the news. How about you two? I'm kind of out of news too. I call to order this meeting of the Wizards of the South Shore Executive Board to discuss our new product plans. It's been a tough few years for us here at the Wizards and we need some new ideas. We need some fresh ideas. Blue sky thinking. Some bleeding edge, outside the box innovations. A new approach to gaming. Something evolutionary revolutionary gamationary that's not a word well it is now we're going to make something gamationary okay 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 i have uh, an idea spit it out no idea is too radical no scheme too bold i mean this might be a bit too bold nonsense we like it bold give it to us straight very well how about this randomized Collectible rules modules. You have my attention. The gamers. Uh, g- gamers. Oh, that's what the income streams call themselves. Ah, got it. So whimsical. Anyway, we take our game. Uh, barrows and barrels. Yeah, yeah. And, and then we break the game rules down into bite-sized chunks. Interesting, interesting. And when the uh, 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 gamers, uh, when they when they purchase the game rules, they do so by collecting these modules. Until they have a complete set. Mm. How many modules are we talking? Oh, well, uh, Barrows and Barrels Editions uh, 13.9 has about, uh, you know, 1,200 pages in the Player's Manual, uh, another 1,400 in the Barrow Master's Guide, and, uh, you know, the same again in the Barrow Lexicon. So, about 4,000 pages. Exactly. So I think we'd be talking in the region of, say, 2,000 discrete rules modules. Okay, so each rules module is like one heritage or one exploit or, you know, one monster. Ooh, or one magic item or spell. I like it. 
Yeah, and the gamers don't know what rules modules will be in the packet until after they purchase it. Hmm, what, what if they get duplicates? That's where a thriving trading market starts to emerge. Yeah, especially if we make some rules rarer than others. Oh, so like the rules for climbing might be rare. While the rules for grappling, much more common. Oh, the, the rules for grappling will remain incomprehensible, right? Oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. It's our brand. So what happens when... Uh, what were they called again? You... Uh, a gamers. Right. So when a gamer needs a rule they don't have, what happens then? Yeah, so if they're in the middle of an epic Barrows and Bear Owls showdown, and... While the characters falls into lava, the Barrow Master can't exactly run out to the nearest game store. Oh, game store, gamers. <laughs> now I get it. They're gamers because they uh, play games. Because they buy games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Silly me. Uh, anyway, that's a good question. What what do they do in that situation? Oh, oh I've thought of that. Excellent. <laughs> An online... Well, of course. <laughs> digital... Indeed, indeed. Marketplace. I like it. For rules module rentals. Rental? Oh, it's brilliant. Barrowmaster simply pays a premium to rent the lava rules for one game session. Breathtaking. Rentable rule modules. Simply genius. Of course, we'll have to be careful about unauthorised, unofficial rules. Or, I shall just say the word, homebrew. Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll need an online interface and game portal which is required to play. Uh, and which we can charge by the minute for. Oh, and which is completely incompatible with anything except for official material produced by wizards of the South Shore. My friends, I think we've nailed it. The future of the company is secure. Company? I dare say we've saved the hobby itself. Well, if not the entire industry. Everybody will be so grateful. Oh, I can imagine it now. The, the cheering crowds, the glowing reviews, the swelling fan base. Wait, would it, would it be too much to call ourselves heroes? Oh, I don't think so. Not for the saviours of tabletop gaming. Maybe they'll make statues of us. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm, we need to prepare the big announcement. Perhaps a quick announcement of an independent announcement is appropriate. Hmm, bit hot-headed, don't you think? Tease the announcement of the impending announcement first. Oh, but perhaps with a cryptic hint about the tease of the announcement of the impending announcement. Does the hint need a trailer? Oh, yes, yeah, let's build up the excitement. Well, I'm excited. I'm so excited. And we just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. And I think I like it. Wait, mm-hmm. wait, what just happened? I think this nearly turned into a musical. A musical? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Forget the collectible rules plan. Barrows and Bear Owls Edition 14 will be a... A, a musical edition. That's perfect. <sighs> Saved the industry again. We're such geniuses. Barrows and Bear Owls will soon reverse those scales. the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? 
the things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now? As my whole identity has been taken up by Gold's, Gold's Gate 3, as we've already discussed, yeah. as you know, in Gold's Gate 3, you kind of have a way of doing difficulty settings by pick, you know, choosing which mode you do, whether you do story mode where the combat's a bit easier, yeah. or you can do a blender yeah, yeah. both, or you can pick it where the combat's harder. So it's kind of like a difficulty setting. And that's like quite normal yeah, in yeah. video games to have that. Mm, mm, mm. I was wondering, or Peter, you wrote a note on our kind of ideas board about can yes. tabletop RPGs have difficulty settings? And so yes. I thought that's what we could talk about this week. Yeah. So first of all, mm. it was defining the question. Mm. What do we mean by difficulty settings in tabletop RPGs? Because the first thing that comes to mind is like, mm. if you're looking at D&D, is that like CR ratings for your monsters when you're doing an encounter? Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of that already, mm. specifically with regards to combat, mm-hmm. in that you can choose to have easy, medium, hard, or deadly encounters. Uh-huh. What would we, what would there be possibly for difficulty settings outside of the D and D realm? Because, um, like in computer games, it refers exclusively to fighting. Could you have difficulty settings in an investigatory game? Say, yeah. Well, I guess in Cthulhu you do because you have hmm. certain roles and the skills levels that you're trying to roll to to access information and law. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, to be fair, with with the basic role playing system, they're called Cthulhu stuff, and it's various offshoots. These are often, I found, run on a sort of a default ultra hard setting. Yeah. Because, um, if you, if you read the rules for it, a lot of the modern games are saying, yeah, add plus 20 or plus 40 to the roll, depending upon the situation. And you're only supposed to have just like the bare roll. Yeah. When it's supposed to be super hard. But, gotta be honest, most GMs forget. Mm. Yeah. Because, well, it's interesting you say that, because with difficulty settings, I guess it depends on the role-playing game itself. Like you say, with because mm. there are some systems which are designed to let you win. Like, I feel like yeah. dice pools, which we love at Ian Publishing, Ross, um, a dice pool is kind of a success-driven system, because it's like how many successes you get, how well can you do, depending on how good you are at this thing. Whereas like something like Cthulhu is like, you're not going to be able to defeat this, this is really hard. So Yeah, like a bias to success or a bias to failure. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. do you think, like, maybe a the choice of your TTRPG system is almost a way of choosing a difficulty setting? Huh, interesting. Like, because I guess it sort of depends what you want in your narrative. Yeah, yeah. Some games like Savage Worlds say there's definite bias to success there because dice explode, so you're more likely to have, uh, you know, it's, it's likely that things are going to go your way. Mm-hmm quite often like 16 percent of the time just on the world die alone mm-hmm. um so that i think that's generally a vast success system so people are more likely to attempt and succeed to do so which depending on the genre is more or less appropriate like doing wildly unlikely things on the reg is for many people a feature of D, hence the love of the net 20 mm-hmm. and for savage worlds is like an inherent feature of the system but like you're saying, for Call of Cthulhu, the chance of critting is what? That's a 0-1 on a D100, so that's like 1%. I think I did it once. Oh, and they've they, they, they expanded the range with, like, if you get a double, but it's below your skill, that's a crit as well. I think that's that, how well, I, I don't know if that's it. just Delta Green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is, it feels like a lot lower chance of critting, as it were. That's more of a bias to failure, so it's harder to do things. 
Uh, I mean, you can still achieve extraordinary success, but it's not as likely. Yeah. Well, Russ, Russ, what do you think about, we're talking about difficulty settings, like how would you yeah. define it if you were talking about difficulty settings in role-playing games? Well, the first thing that occurred to me wasn't so much how deadly the game was, it was how yeah. complex the game was. So I, oh, like, like, to I, learn I heard the question and thought about something different, like how difficult is this game to run and play? Mm. No, that is pretty valid, actually. Um, yeah, that's a good oh. point. So, and are you think? I, mean, I don't know whether difficulty settings is the right term for that, but I mean, some games certainly are easier yeah. than others, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, yeah. Because like uh, some of them, you can just. I guess it's like we're using simple and complex, and it's like these words aren't necessarily the right way to go about it. Yeah, like a mobile phone, like. I think maybe an iPhone, depending upon that, like they're supposed to be very simple to use, but they are incredibly complicated bits of mm-hmm. kit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I guess it's like the level of complexity you interact with. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's granularity, maybe uh, the more granular the game is. I think that's interesting. There now, is those two yeah. points to it because I think with yeah. video games, the difficulty is related to how easy it is to master the game. Because yep. for me, if I just want to access the story, like if I'm playing The Last mm. of Us, I play it on easy mode just so I can race through and get the story a lot easier. So it's accessible mm. to me mm. in that way. And I guess if you're talking about TTRPGs, both assets are the same, aspects are similar, because you're like, how difficult is it for me to be able to learn and master these rules so that I can play, so that I'm able to access mm. the story? I just thought of an analogy. Oh, yeah? Because for, for a lot of people, like for, for me personally, and I realise this isn't the same for everybody, like learning to play an RPG, a TTRPG, I find personally quite an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But to play a video game, I find it, often find it, it's quite a hurdle for me to okay. um, get get to basic competence so I'm now enjoying myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not enjoying myself until I've got to that. And, and I don't have to be good at it, I just have to be like actually progressing in the game and yeah, yeah. so it lets yeah. you carry on so you're not just stuck yeah in a yeah. terrible ground so it's just occurred to me that yeah for some people maybe that's the other way around so some, sometimes mm. i'm kind of like you know people often sort of don't want to learn a new game mm-hmm. and i'm always mm. happy to because for me personally mm. that's a very it's a very easy thing to do mm-hmm. and that's probably just because i've been okay. doing so much of it over the years yeah. it's just mm-hmm. and i design games it's just it comes naturally to me whereas i don't play video games that much and so when i get a new video game like the first hour or so, I don't mm. really enjoy because I'm okay. trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't gotten to competency fairly mm. quickly, I'm bored and uh, I'm, I'm checking out. Yeah. So the interesting thing so, with with me is I don't need to be competent to enjoy it, which is useful because of how my mm. life is. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> like if if my enjoyment was based on competence, I'd I'd have a very bad time doing a lot. I of think things. maybe competence is the wrong word. I just mean mm. able to play the game. Yeah, not no, I, be I, good I, at the game. I know, you know I know what you not, mean. Not be winning the game, but able to play. Yeah, it. Like, I think we're talking maybe different levels. Like mm-hmm. if you, I don't know, press a button or move a joystick or whatever, mm-hmm. and something unexpected occurs, you are. I would say probably not having a good time. It's mm. frustrating, yeah. Because it feels, yeah, it's like, well, that wasn't what I meant to do. Mm. Um, so I guess in that sort of risk... But- okay, so the options you have, the granularity, the number of things you can choose, if you can choose those successfully more often, that is... And easier games. Video games. Video games. You can certainly adjust the difficulty setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
on the fly. You can't do that as easily with most TTR. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Well, the, we the had an episode GM, where we, we talked about that. A GM yeah. can yeah. adjust on the fly. The GM, GM can certainly make it more or less difficult, deadly for the players. Mm-hmm. They, they can certainly do that very easily. But, I mean, can a game itself, a game system itself, include dials that makes the game more or less difficult or depending which that difficult or complex, depending which what? definition you're using, well, actually included in the game system. Is that like O5E and A5E? That's two oh. different games, though. I'm thinking yeah, the game itself. Yeah, that's technically. But do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, yeah, yeah. With, 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 yeah, like sort of, huh. Well, I suppose 5E kind of does that in the sense that it makes things like feats, it's a very, very simple example, feats mm-hmm. are technically optional yeah, yeah. in Core 5e so in a way it yeah. does kind of already do that to a slight extent I also make uh, I made when I was first playing simple. D&D I made it simpler for myself by not playing a spellcaster because there was like a whole yeah. just yeah. set oh, of yeah. rules I, mean, that's difficult. I play, didn't play, have play to engage with yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have to learn anything D&D's, about that yeah. D&D's very deliberately designed like that as well mm. with a sort of simple classes yeah. and more complex classes yeah. so that and, and like mm. sorcerer is definitely for me at least on the top end of complexity mm-hmm. Uh, just because you have your your choices are so hard in, mm. to make it work to play a sorcerer. I mean, you, it will still work, mm-hmm. but it might not work as you envisage. Mm. Yeah. So if it was like that sort of a gap, like there's sort of a skill flaw to play the game, mm-hmm. and then there's a level of mastery that one can achieve. Yeah. So yeah. I don't feel yeah. I have to master things. I just have to no, be able to, to use them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think the difference with a video game and with a role playing game, though, is um, well, it's definitely at my tables. If I've sat at a table, don't know the rules, which is most of the time. So if you invite me to any of your yeah. games, I'm not going to know what's going on at any point. Um, yeah. But because it's social and you're with a group of people, you can just ask. Like in a video game, you might push the wrong yeah. button, something happens, yeah, and you're like, true. "Oh, I didn't save an hour yeah. ago. Now I'm really annoyed." Just yeah, an example, yeah, Russ. I don't yeah. know where I got that from. <laughs> uh, but in tabletop yeah. RPG, if I do something and didn't realize it had those consequences. Usually the game master can say, hey, yeah, you can do that, but that will mean X, Y, Z. Is that what you meant? Yeah. And then at that point I can go, oh, no, I didn't mean that. Can we? And then they can just say, mm. okay, and this is what you'd do. So you can kind of more collaboratively play. So you have people there to kind of help you. So I feel like the barrier to entry is less than a video game because especially if it's, a so- if it's a co-op online video game, oh, my gosh, like I'd never play a first-person shooter because my skill level's just not there and no one's oh, yeah. going to help yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. people will yell at me yeah. as well for not being good. But then maybe some mm, TTRPG but... tables are like that because some people have horror stories about they go to a table not knowing the know rules. I bet, I bet they are. Yeah. I think I've been yeah. very lucky and I've never yeah. found myself in a game like that, but yeah. I bet they are. Yeah, they are. so yeah. I, bet, I guess that's a social thing because human beings can be amazing or terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, certainly some first-person shooters are like cooperative ones, like the Left 4 Dead series, Fermentide, and like not being great at those mm-hmm. is like less of a big deal. Like mm-hmm. it's a bit annoying for all concerned, yeah. but it's it's like you are part of a group and people want to look after you more. Yeah. Whereas online battle arenas, which are essentially team versus team mm-hmm. and stuff like, oh, I don't know, Overwatch, I think it's called or something like that. Um, well, you, again, you have team versus team, but it's humans versus humans. That can be a very tough environment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot but, of that you're playing with anonymous people as well with online yeah, stuff, which doesn't help as opposed to your friends. Yeah, people you, people are the worst yeah. online because they can yeah. be. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. so thinking about difficulty settings in video games, we're kind of used to how yeah. that can work. But in yeah. So in tabletop games, we're saying the difficulty setting could be the complexity to learn the system 
the challenge or, level or, or the deadliness of the game. Yeah, or the deadliness of the game. They're kind of yeah. so. One, yeah. So one thing I've got in what's already new is something called cinematic mode. Okay. So you can oh, yeah. play the game in either mode. And it's mm. only a sidebar to explain it. It just makes a few changes to the core rules, mm-hmm. which basically makes the game more cinematic and less, more heroic and less dangerous. Mm. And it's just a few little things like, um, uh, you know, you, you have more hit points in cinematic mode and um, uh, some of the limits on um, your dice rolls are removed and things. And and it just changes the difficulty in the sense of deadliness yeah. of the game by going into cinematic mode because then you're more like Star Wars and the stormtroopers will be shooting at you and you'll be shooting them down sort of thing yeah. a bit more huh. than Alien where you wouldn't play that in cinematic mode yeah because okay. you want it to be deadly so, yeah so that is so, almost like a difficulty dial yeah 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 interesting kind of like a, just a linear a single switch it's not a gradient well yeah but, well that's kind of like in Baldur's yeah. Gate at the beginning you choose mm. how you're playing it yeah mm. like What's it? Story, explorer, tactical. Yeah, yeah. If I recall, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. kind well, of. I think like the deadliness of a D&D game is so much dependent on the GM, though, rather than the system itself. Yeah. I mean, I'll say the dice have a fair amount to do with it. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Probably. you know, if I'm running a game and I want something to be difficult, I can mm. make it difficult very easily just by putting challenges in there that are too difficult for yeah. for, for, for players. You know, um, it's like the GM has that ability yeah. to. That's to do why that. I always find it so weird when you get GMs that brag about how many TPKs and stuff they've done. It's like, yeah, well, of course you could do that. You're the GM. It's really easy. You can just plonk four Tarasks down in the room. There you go. Done. Yeah, sorted. Like, <laughs> yeah that doesn't seem hard. You're in charge of the entire yeah. environment and what yeah. happens. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah I, I have an unlimited number of red dragons in my back pocket, mm-hmm. and they have whatever's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like you're not playing the same game. Yeah. yeah. I guess what it is is not. But equally, if the game is too easy, it is unsatisfying. Yeah. Uh, like, well, for me at least. Like, no, no, I if agree I, because it, you, I, feel, I like to feel I've earned something. Yeah, like if, I, if I'm playing a game and it's like we're level eight and there's some goblins, unless they've got like a bazooka or something sashed away there, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, mm. they just blew up the yeah. bazooka, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, well, whatever, fireball, job done. And I think that was a lot of what we were trying to do, which was to remove that, oh, the eye wind button. I'll just keep mm. hammering that and then take a long rest. Thinking about TTRPG, so I'm thinking about a very classic mm. TTRPG there. We're talking about difficulty mm. settings, like things with D&D. But if we get into the more abstract, more like storytelling narrative games, mm. I wonder how that would apply. So if you have something like Ribbon Drive, where there is like kind of no dice rolling, you're just on a car journey sitting, talking, listening mm. to music, letting the music kind of guide the vibe and the story arcs. I don't know how you made that more difficult. Um, I mean... Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a role-playing game, mm-hmm. but what challenge are you overcoming? Exactly. It's more, the, it's more the... It's about exploring the interpersonal kind of relationships and the yeah. challenges that you create within that. So I guess it's kind yeah. of the players to decide what those challenges are. Yeah, it's, it sort of feels like a, an experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, um, mm-hmm. whereas I suppose a difficulty setting really only has meaning if there is a challenge to be overcome, mm-hmm. or a set of challenges to be overcome. Yeah. If you don't have that, then, like, there's no there's no difficulty involved. Sorry. Your level of social skills to navigate these <laughs> tricky situations. Yeah. Oh, so that could be, like, ultra hard. Yeah, okay, Dep- okay. well, depending what the challenge is. 
yeah, you yeah. have to phone your doctor and book an appointment. <laughs> you could introduce narrative channels. Oh, I was just trying to think. It's sort of like, um, whose line is it anyway or something? Just introduce sort of narrative almost mm. obstacles. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know. But that doesn't seem against the doesn't seem the, it, the same I type just of game. Thought it was it's, different. It was more like a parlor game then when you start doing that. I guess, but yeah, but in sort of, yeah, exactly. When does it blend into which that? Is, yeah, what, but why does it feel like a parlor? I mean, is it because that's our experience of games mm-hmm. has parlor games, yeah. or is well, that because thinking, there's something inherently qualitatively different? Well, what was what I was thinking? What popped into my head was really silly stuff like you're not allowed to use. The word yellow or something, <laughs> you know the way. Which, you know, you know, a parlor, a parlor game might say you have to describe a thing without saying the certain words or things like that. Mm-hmm. That makes the, the words. narrative challenge slightly more difficult. Yeah. But I don't think that applies at all to the type of game Jess was talking about. Yeah, no words beginning with a less like T. I just, so. I think mm, there are, there are some tabletop role playing games that you can draw more parallels with video games in, especially when there is combat involved. But I wonder when you get to the more kind of indie narrative end of the spectrum, if those mm. comparisons don't have as much meaning anymore. And the same with with video games, like if they if they don't have like a particular challenge in things like if you play something like The Sims, there's not necessarily a specific not, objective yeah. uh, for you in that. And there are role playing games that are the same. Yeah. There's not a necessarily a specific. But in that, the 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 not the the. the, the reward is in building something it's yeah. like lego in that case yeah. isn't it like lego there's or Minecraft. You know, the reward is in yeah yeah in building the thing yeah and i think there are some ttrpgs that are like that as well mm. oh you oh okay so you could have a game where combat is resolved by reciting poetry and mm. the a rap battle game. That sounds very difficult especially if you yeah if anyone just heard us trying to sing together <laughs> At the mm. same time, yeah, improvised performance is very hard. Yes, but I don't know it's just like a haiku where it's like yeah. you got five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Yeah, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wonder if you could like in a more mechanical game mm-hmm. adjust the difficulty by changing the dice. That's kind of what a dice I mean, pool system yeah. is in a way. <laughs> like, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah you're no, more skilled you're right, in this, in so way. you're going to find this easier. But, so, but I mean, if, you got, if you're playing on easy mode, the whole game uses d10s. But if you're playing on hard mode, the whole game uses d8s instead. Sort of thing. That would so be really it's hard. Everything if, is a if, bit hard. If nines and tens are your success, and you're playing with d8s, so that's going to be <laughs> well, really difficult. Be, yes, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So I just, I just, I just thought it was interesting because I think uh, a lot of people have been drawing parallels between me between digital and tabletop games, especially because I went to uh, a networking event with my partner, and so not everyone there was nerds. There were like normal people there, and so everyone asked me, oh, "What do you do for work?" And I'm like, "Well." Let me explain this to you. I distribute books. <laughs> well, yeah. I, if I really don't want to contribute, I say I'm in publishing because mm-hmm. then that goes around so, it. But then that's the easiest, right? The yeah. Easy, yeah. Usually, the reference I get in is a lot of people have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. But I was talking to someone and I was like, yeah. "Have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons?" And they went, "No." And I was like, "I gave up. I literally went. I have no reference point for you. Then I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know." Do, like, do you watch dramas? Yes. Have you ever looked at the TV and said, "Oh, you idiots! You don't do that." Yeah. Mm. Play TTRPG. You can be those idiots. I think yeah. I didn't go too deep into it because I think they were asking what I do is a polite yeah. like yeah, buffer yeah. thing. They were for I space. don't think they really. I used, cared. I used to. I used to sort of say I was a writer. I. That's not a lie. You said it in it's a very sheepish way, but. But yeah. no, the problem is the the immediate reply is oh did you write anything I've heard of 
That is so my, resp- my response to that is I don't know. Um, well, yeah, for anyone, <laughs> that's not, I don't have all the information needed to answer that question. Um, but also, I think the answer really is, is almost, have you written the bestseller? Almost probably not. Is uh, is, uh, is is the answer to that? And uh, not only have you probably never heard of anything I've written, you probably wouldn't have heard of the genre in which I wrote it. Yeah, tabletop role. Well, I, mean, I might have heard of tabletop role playing, but yeah. I write dry technical manuals for tabletop role playing <laughs> gamers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I kind of stopped saying that because that conversation has always happened, and I was like, oh. yeah, but um, but yeah, but usually people knows what video games are. They have some reference points to that. So sometimes I can that isn't mm. in to bring that comparison in. And I just thought it was interesting with difficulty settings, especially with Baldur's Gate, because mm. Baldur's Gate does feel because like, it's like the D and D rule set, but kind of not because it's in a video game. So I just yeah, yeah. I mean, you could change the difficulty setting with a dice pool game. But you'd have to do it the other way, where like ones and twos are successes, and you start off with a d4, and you make it harder by making yeah. a d6. Or d4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, what if you have different players in the group, and you wanted to set a different, and you wanted each of them kind of wanted a different experience slightly? I don't even know this is possible. Yeah, it's very so, possible. So you've yeah. got one player who wants to be challenged. Mm-hmm. and find it difficult, and you've yeah. got one player who's kind of new, and you want to make it very easy for them. Yeah. And and things like that, especially in a sense, playing different classes in D and D does that to an extent. Yeah, he gives you different experiences. Yeah, but the, the whole game, the whole game itself, could you make it more or less difficult for different people? Yes, very easily. How would you do that? It's a concept called differentiation. Uh, mm-hmm. As I'm sure all the teaching people that listen to this podcast are busy shouting at their uh, listening devices as we speak. Uh, and that's basically, yeah, you just make it more difficult for some people. So I was running a game for, like, the first D&D campaign I ran, uh, which was for, let's see, uh, two people who had never played before, two people who played for a bit, and one person who had played loads of stuff from, like, second edition, Pathfinder, okay. 3.5, 3.0, the whole nine yards. And they're like, yeah, I've done some fourth edition, let's give this five years ago. I've got to accommodate all these people. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what I did was was um, I did stuff like I made a cipher uh, targeted at that player's character for them to solve mm. so that they could have like a fiddle round with it. Um, it was a complete waste of effort because they just wanted to play a beer and pretzels game and that sort of, that wasn't the campaign I was running at that time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, it was more difficult. They had They were playing a wizard. So they'd increase the difficulty, and I was like, here is a cipher, and as you get various bits and pieces, you can work on that to solve it. Mm. Um, whereas for the new players, they were just like, try to get their heads around the concept of this whole role-playing game thing. So... Had one person whose character was... She was playing an elf, so her character was called Elf. Fair. With a PH. Love that. I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. 10 out of 10. What, the only yeah. thing is, because in D&D, a lot of the challenges are group challenges... So I'd wonder how you'd get around mixed ability levels or like having different rules for different players when they're all trying to achieve the same goal. I'm going to say make one ca- one player higher level because then the game is easier for them, but then the actual complexity is then harder for them. Uh, so that doesn't work. Uh, yeah. it, it does the opposite in two different ways. Mm. I mean, it does a problem that comes up a fair amount and people talk about it in games. Like if you have one player who like, has read the rules and understood them, and then had creates a character. Like, I had a friend who was then went into computer game design, and he created a character that was basically impenetrable. 
Uh, he's playing a game with a bunch of people who have just chosen things because they thought it sounded good. Yeah, Me- mm. Jess, um, Jess, they made a character purely on vibes that does nothing useful. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a party full of mostly Jesses. <laughs> Amazing. <there's> like... <laughs> what a treat! <laughs> uh, well, except that there's one person who's like, you know, lovely, very into the role playing and so forth. They made a character that is invulnerable. Mm-hmm. So it's like anything that the GM throws at the party has to take into account that there will be this invulnerable character that is able to do stupid amounts of damage. And if that character is not there, mm-hmm. then suddenly there is a problem because the rest of the party will be TPK'd. So it's like the... it's like Superman in the DC comic universe. Like, each adventure has to be like, mm-hmm. why can't Superman deal with this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. A, That's actually a really good analogy, yeah. There's a character in my um, Thursday night game who literally is invulnerable. Hi, Nick. Um, basically with a, uh, AC of something like 26 or something. Mm-hmm. What saves? Um, Hi, Nick. Like, yeah. Um, but, um, it, 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 does, it does make it hard that anything, anything that can hit him will always hit the other characters. Anything that is just about the right amount of challenge for the other characters just can't touch him. Yeah. And it's all completely within the rules. Well, why don't... What I would do yep. with that situation is be like, okay, I'm not going to physically destroy you. I'm going to try and mentally destroy you. Not through spells. I mean emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I'm going <laughs> to put something in front of you that you need to hit that you do not want to hit. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. what I'd do with that. But that's just because... Not like a puppy. I don't know. Whatever. If you want, if that, if, if that works for that person. Your only way to save the world is through this puppy. Well, you know, it's oh, like I've oh been... No. The world will be over it's if it like was I've me. Been, I, I wouldn't be able to I've been re the... Buffy, and it's the moment where she has to, you know, kill him and send him to hell to save the universe. It's like, you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoilers well, for yeah, anyone he, he, of that 20-year-old show. He got, he, he got better. So. Yeah, but it, in D&D, it's the same. Like, yeah, you'll die, just res them, it'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, splitting the party is always a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, like I say, saving throws. Like what? What class is it? Uh, oh, Nick's character. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah Is this yeah? episode just oh. turning into yeah, how can we destroy yeah, Nick? Harold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Harold. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, Harold. Yeah, yeah. So, oh God. So when you get to level six, everyone will be benefiting from a massive boost of saves. Mm. Oh well. Um, you know what I like in that situation? A canoe. I need more context, okay. please. Oh well, if you're wearing Hit heavy armor, just get a massive yeah. canoe. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, PC. Sure, sure. Like, uh, you know what you like when you're wearing heavy armor? You like nice, firm footing. Do you know what you don't enjoy? Sitting in a rickety boat whilst Mm. wearing heavy armor. Okay, make them go swimming. Or or have that potential. I don't think the boat likes it very much either, possibly. The boat's not happy about it, you know? Um, Or, like, think three dimensionally, like Celesta, where you have, like, a wall. And instead of being able to, like, use a sword and shield on a wall, you're like, well, are you able to hold on to a shield and a sword and climb? Because mm. the answer is no. <laughs> I think this was a really good example of the different types of people that Peter and I are. Because Peter, you went to like, oh, what things could you do technically within the rules and like using like physics yeah. and things like that? And I just went just emotionally destroy them. <laughs> so I think I think that shows our different approach to GMing. You actually know, put on your goblin voice when you said that. Hmm? You put on your goblin <laughs> voice. No, that was my satanic that. voice. <laughs> A goblin voice that was your is my real voice. That was your true voice my when you let the mask voice. down. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, well, well it's, it's just like um, I don't want to out of character traumatize people. Oh, because that's a bit too much. Like that's the difference between you and work. I. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I have to do that sort of time. So I destroy them, you fix work. them. It's a great business model we have. Yeah. Hmm. You should send me some of your clients. <laughs> They're <laughs> called victims. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Bad no, business. I'm very nice, actually. <laughs> Com-C, com-sa. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, very nice. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, I, I just have already access to ways to mess with people mechanically, than I do emotionally. Because you've read um, the rules. But, well, generally, because I've been playing 5e, which is why I was saying mm-hmm. paladins, and because I don't really have any background stuff to mess around with them. Sure. I don't know where they come from. Mm-hmm. But again, like stuff like previous connections. Uh, but I feel that's very overdone. Like the NPC, if the NPCs always betray you. Yeah. Done. And it's like, that's how you get mad at the hopeless. Because the NPC always betrays you. Because mm-hmm. if so you, you might as well just kill all the NPCs. You're just teaching people that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you've got a good family? Oh, okay. Well, I, as the DM, will put them in danger. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time you do it, it's like mm-hmm. that leads to the frictionless yeah. sphere of a murder hobo. It's the lowest lane problem, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how many times can you capture lowest lane? Right. Before it gets boring. <laughs> yeah. So that's why a lot of plots revolve around the world literally ending, mm-hmm. because that's something that everyone can be presumed rightly to care about. Yeah. It's like, well, I live here, and, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, something important like me might be affected yes. by this. <laughs> All right, I'll get involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so on the difficulty settings again, then. Yes. So basically, yeah. I mean, we established we... that it's quite easy to design a game that does that, but when taking an existing game mm-hmm. and different levels of player ability and different player goals, yeah. we've, like, t- we've touched on it a bit and yeah. it's a little more tricky. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what we have right missed, mm-hmm. and we just literally touched on it just now in a sort of a way, but we thought it was off topic. But it's actually on topic. RPGs have difficulty settings for players and for referees. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. 5e D&D, pretty easy, I'll say, for players. For your referee, it's bloody hard work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there are some games which are even more, like, and you can address these by preparation and so forth. But like the idea, you know what? I, I've, I've got to stage in my life where I'm like, I don't want to spend hours of my life prepping for a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, part of it is also the, yeah. the, the GM's responsibility is to know, yeah. have more mastery of the game. Yeah. And this is never the case in my case, but have mastery, <laughs> of, the game, or have more mastery <laughs> of the game than their players have. Yeah. But, um, I, where, where, where is it? Where is that written down? Where is that a rule? I, I, tr- I mean, right, you're right. It's not a rule. I think there's but, a I mean, social. Like social. I think there's a so- unwritten social expectation. Socially, it tends to be the GM is introducing the game to to the players. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a social contract that the GM will take it on. So I can see definitely why there would be a desire to have a game that is easier for you to run. Oh, I gotta say, I'm a big fan of games that are easy for me to run mm. because I, I don't I don't have the bandwidth anymore. I'm just like like there's some I look at and I'm like no. That is too much work. I'm not going to be able to do things I want to do. Because, like, ultimately, I want there to be some chaos, some confusion, some fun. And for people to be like, well, that was that was a thing. We had a good time. Yeah, let's go play that again. And I'm like, yeah, that's music to my ears. I want people to be like, yes, I want to play again. Yes. Mm-hmm. that That is what I want. But I just don't want to have to do, like, incredible amounts of hard work first with, like, prepping this, prepping yeah. that. Well, that's my that's my video game experience, isn't it? I, want, I don't want to do the work to 
the tutorial yeah, yeah, well, sit through the point where I can play. Yeah. And sit through the cuts. <laughs> oh, man. You can just space just bar space through them. Bar. <laughs> space bar through them. Yeah, but then I won't know what's going on. <laughs> All right. Well, you can't have everything then. Why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're just going to go and kill all... everything anyway. Well, just anyway. Look, 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 at, look at the journal and that will give you a clue yeah. of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. All right, they should just do like a bullet point, sort of very quick. Kind That's of, what the yeah. journal is. Mission is get MacGuffin from Tower. Okay, you're, you're describing that. the journal. <laughs> yeah. Have you, look, press, have you looked at your J journal? Next time you log in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so I guess uh, RPGs do have difficulty settings, and it's like for players, there are things like how hard it is for them to overcome challenges, and also. Is it easy for them to actually understand what they're doing? So when they put in an input, they get an output, uh, which is what they wanted on a reliable basis. Mm. Yeah? yeah. And I guess for the game runner, the referee, things like, how much effort do I have to put in to make this game happen? Like, which I, I can definitely see why, uh, games with existing lore are very interesting for people because they're like, okay, I don't have to do any world building. Because it's I know all. the stuff. I yeah. know about Star Wars, yeah. I, I, I've read it, I've watched the films, I've got the book. If people have a question, I can go and I can find an answer. I don't have to that's think why, That's it. why games set in modern day, oh. uh, from a setting and law point of view, often a lot easier to just, you know, you just go, you're in New York, and everyone knows what New York is, you know. Sorry, New York, did you say? Uh, there's, there's this mm. town called York, okay. right? Yeah. And they built a new one. I feel... Like starting to get away from the question. Do we feel we, we have answered be, yes. the question? Do TTRPGs have difficulty settings? About as well as we usually and do. And I think do, we do have we said yes. the question? No. <laughs> yeah. Did we engage with it anyway, like we were the TTRPG we don't know the rules to? Of course. Mm. We just I do, I do feel started like playing and worked with it. Yeah. I do think the average game could do with a page mm. that addresses that. Sort of how to dial A, the complexity, and B... Mm the deadliness of the game for different tones of game. I think a lot of new games that I see now with different yeah. systems do have a section on GM advice, mm. which goes into yeah. detail of those sorts of things. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. that more and more. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is pretty common. People are aware of it, but I guess it's like, how can you make your life as a GM easier? Uh, what mm. shortcuts, like putting those in maybe. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of stuff that makes my life easier. That's like... Same. I put a lot of thought into this, which is like you know a large part of what I write uh, because I'm like, yeah, this is annoying me. Oh, I'll write it down and then see if someone else wants it as well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we probably have covered it as well as yes. we're going to. Yes. Yeah. So shall we begin our weekends now? Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter.
Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Three, two, one. Barrows and barrows will soon reverse Guys, no. Come on. That's the the tune and the beat. Okay. Rush, you wrote this. Come on. You did this. Three, two, one. Barrows and barrows will soon reverse those da 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 Not barrows and barrows will suit like just da 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 Feet! I'm trying to hold back laughter at the same time. I know. That's coming in, guys. You can't. Why are you laughing so hard at your own jokes? No. I. No. God. 